0: I want to go to John chapter 6, and I want to show you about the the nature of things and God's drawing power and God, God helping us, okay? So I'm going to go to John 6. I'll start with 34 through 38, and then I'll end up with verse 65. Basically, what I want to talk to you about is the help of the Holy Spirit and how it's a gift, it's a grace that God even draws us in the first place. Look what it says in John 637, it says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. This is the will of Him who sent me, that of all that He has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Hallelujah. This is the will of the father that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. So God has drawing power. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And I'm believing God that that works on our society on a high level, starting right now in Jesus name. No one comes to him unless the father draws him. Look at Chapter 6, verse 65, he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. So God is moving on people, and it's a grace. I remember when God granted repentance to me. I was so lost, and God began to deal with me, and then I cried out to him. I now realize because of the grace of God and the Holy Spirit's help, He was dealing, he was was doing what the scripture says, convicting, convincing, persuading this lost worldly kid of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. I understood sin, I began to understand sin and I began to understand judgment. I felt like I was lost and I was going to hell. And I didn't understand righteousness until somebody came and preached good news to me and made me aware that righteousness is available, that whoever calls upon Jesus will be saved. Wow. Wow. So it's God's gift. God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus. And it's a gift that he even delivers us out of apathy and gives us a hunger. Somebody complimented me recently and he said, I leave hungry. And I heard somebody say this recently. So this guy that said this didn't, you know, didn't know this. But I actually heard a preacher say, a lot of people say, I want to be fed. And I do want to preach for people to be fed. But I also want to preach that people will leave hungry. So they'll go home and they'll want to read their Bible and they'll want to pray and they'll want to think about God. And I pray that for you in Jesus' name. I pray that you get hungry for God. And God's, you know, he gives that gift. That's why we pray. I mean, I drive up and down the U City Loop and I, I just pray those seekers and those bohemian intriguing types. A lot of them are from WashU and a lot of them are trying to have, you know, it's supposed to be one of the trendiest uh, streets in America, one of the top trendiest streets, that's, that was said by the developer that's developed uh, the, uh, so you know I don't know where the other nine streets are but he's got one of the top ten but I just pray people get saved and I actually have been in contact with a pastor who started a church there, he's pastoring there and I'm just really rooting for him because I want to see that tribe get saved but it's handy to know that you know, God is moving on people and no one comes to him unless the Father draws him that's why we should pray, Lord, who are you dealing with? And, you know, where should I go and who should I talk to? You know, I was I saw a couple yesterday and I tried to get some seed into their direction. But I just know they need to get saved. A lady's mom's 99 years old. And I think, God, just I want these guys to get saved. You know, so I know God wants has the want to. He, he desires no one to perish, but all to have everlasting life. This is where our real help is in evangelism and with a prayer and with any Christian work we do is uh, the drawing power of God is essential in all of this. Otherwise, everything's just dead and hollow and wooden. That's what we pray. We connect with, this prayer, with this, these verses and we pray that, oh, God, God, move on people. Move on people to get saved. I remember having a dream about my brother with flames around him. So it compelled me to pray for him. So for a couple of weeks, I was just praying for him. In fact, people, I was obnoxious. It's like, I'm praying for my brother. I'm praying for my brother. And God sent laborers to cross his path like the famous prayer, you know, send laborers. And God really moved on my brother's heart in such a profound way. And he got radically saved and got immediately, became an amazing soul winner right off the bat. And one time I remember he brought a, a van load of 13 friends to church. God moved on my brother. God God knows how to get a hold of our family members and our, our nation. There are great things happening right now. And I attribute them to the wonderful, miraculous help the Father sent through Jesus and Jesus sent through the Holy Spirit. Can I hear a big amen? So we have to understand. And I said God's gracious gift because everything we experience in life is really a grace. And by that I mean it's undeserved, it's unmerited, it's God giving us what we don't deserve, it's God pouring out blessing and help, and just the idea of what Reinhard Bonnke said is, God is not repelled by our weakness, he's attracted to our weakness. And he gives power to the faint, to those who lack mighty, increases power. Another verse would be Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we, we know not how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit helps us. He's our helper. He's our helper, and I just want you to know he's a, he's a helper. He'll help you. We were on an airplane. We get ready to leave. We got up early. We got there on time. We left you know, three hours early. We got there way early, went through the TSA. I, we were randomly picked to be pulled out of the line and go through the x-ray machine and basically... Strip down, take off your belt and all that stuff. And, and there was a TSA guy and he was disappointing everybody. But he did it so elegantly that I, I looked over at him. And I said, you know what, man, you've got amazing people skills. And he just lit up. And I said, I mean it. And I wasn't flattering him. I wasn't, and I wasn't being facetious either. I wasn't being sarcastic. I just said, because given what you're having to do, you're, you're making it where there's, you know, I just appreciate you doing your job. You're doing a good job. He goes, Thank you, man. Thank you. I said, call your mom and dad and tell them I said that. They, they, they did a good job with their boy. So we got on the airplane and uh, we pulled out and, hey, listen, there's something wrong with this uh, computer and, uh, you know, that we're going to bring in the maintenance. So it's like you could hear ah, through the plane, you know. And then I, I was on the ninth row so I could look up the aisle and, and uh, the guy was in there talking to the pilots and the pilot got on and he said, you guys, uh, they're going to go check the warehouse. They need a... It was something that regulates the temperature of the fuel. So I'm I'm trying to keep a good attitude, you know. And I and I was doing great. And um, but the guy across the aisle from me he's, he's probably 30 years younger than me, and he's I'm so mad. And I, and, and I could tell you know he was a, he was an educated guy. He wasn't just being blunt. He he he. Uh, I said, hey, I'm you know anytime they fix stuff, I just don't want to ever complain about it. He goes, I have the a totally opposite view on that. I feel that their business structure should have permitted them to have fixed this already. I said, please don't help me go in this direction. I've been working hard to go, not go in this direction. <laughs> and he was really logical about it, too. He wasn't just hacked off. They said, hey, uh, so now we cancel the flight. So we, we, were, we were eight hours late, and uh, they had to find a plane, and then they had to find a crew. And then, the, then we got in the plane, and they said, hey, the captain's not here yet. He you know, he was in traffic. So by the time the captain got in there, people started to cheer, and he was shocked, and he waved, and he got on, he got on, the, he got on the intercom. He said, man, I was at my house, and then they called me, and uh, we're so glad you came, you know, and uh, so we got home, you know. So God's gracious gift, he's our helper, he, he, and, and so I finally, I ran into the other guy. And I actually got upgraded because the plane had more seats in the front. So they said, Mr. Perry, and they called me up and said, you're upgraded because of the mileage. And so I said, thanks. And so I bumped up there and said, maybe somebody will trade seats with you. So the mad Australian guy traded seats with me so I could sit next to Patsy. So it was just amazing. And then the guy walked by and he goes, you got upgraded. The, The guy that griped, he said, I tried to get upgraded. And I thought, bro, try another technique, right? But he had a smile, he had a twinkle in his eye. I'm not disparaging. He was actually pretty cool. It was just different personality. And I've tried that. Whining doesn't really help. Um, Next point, I want you to think about God's, you know, first God's gracious gift. But then also, this is powerful to me. God's uplifting invitation. Wouldn't you love it if you had an invitation from God to come? You know, we see with Moses, he spoke to God face to face. He had such deep, you know, the fire, the the burning bush. He got up on the mountain and came back with the law. You know, he had some amazing moments. Take off your shoes, this is holy ground. But actually, we all have, I think, one of the most amazing invitations in the Bible. And I want you to go to Matthew chapter 11. And uh, I'm going to get on a faster pace with this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is just powerful. Come to me. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. And I'm not kidding when I say that if any of you fall asleep during one of my meetings only am I not offended by it, I'm actually happy for you. And I like what C.S. Lewis said, that more people should fall asleep in church because that means the peace of God and the presence of God is there. He must have had a lot of people fall asleep in his meetings. (laughs) And I, you know, he was known for having like two hour lectures, so it would knock some people out, even though it was genius. But soul rest, you will find rest for your souls. Sometimes our souls feel like they get... You ever get brain tired? You get fatigued. I see a young student up here nodding his head. The Bible says the glory of young men is their strength. And there seems to be an inexhaustible supply of of energy among the young. And even even the Bible says in, in Isaiah, even young men can have that fatigue. And yet they that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. John 1, it says the light shines in the darkness. True light has come that enlightens every man. Bible also says, Let your light so shine before men so that in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You're the light of the world, Jesus said. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Here's what I think. The help of God's gracious gift covers our sin, makes us new creatures, radicalizes us. The Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then come to me consistently, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Have you ever been locked up where you didn't feel like going to church? You didn't feel like reading your Bible? You didn't feel like praying? You just felt like griping? and uh, just Or just being flat? Worse yet, just being flat. And I think apathy is a killer. The complacency of fools shall destroy them. So that must be addressed. So come to me. Come to me, Jesus said. And I like it too. You know, I like honest people going through a real trial. I was on the Hertz bus and there are two doors. There's one up by the driver and there's the big double door in the middle. So the family got in the front door and they all went to the back. It was jam-packed. And so I just stood up at the front and Struck up a conversation with the driver. It's about a 12-minute drive. And, uh, you know, we, we just, I don't know how it all worked out, but he asked me what I do. And I said, oh, well, I'm a pastor. He said, hmm. He said, I had a lot of crises in my life. And he began to describe the loss of his wife and loss of a child and, I mean, really heavy things. And I just listened to him. And he said, so when, you know, in any time, and I didn't preach to him. I didn't witness to him. I didn't bring it up. I just was just chatting with the guy and uh he said so you know people start talking to me about god and the bible and stuff i just this is this is where i'm at and i went man yeah i'm sorry about all that you know and he went on and he wasn't like real mean or bitter he was just hurt and uh justifiably so so we pulled in and he you know he said he made an announcement you know gold card members can look on the screen and the others you have to go in there and you know, spend a ridiculous amount of time in line. He didn't say that, but that's what happens. So at the end of the conversation, you know, I went to go get the bags, and he said, I guess I need to get back in the faith. And I was like, he preached to himself. I mean, he, he preached all the way through Job, all the way to the end of Job. And, and honestly, I didn't have any kind of cliche, quip, kind of quick things or, you know, admonishments for him. I just felt like I needed to Listen. And as I listened, I thought, wow, you know, it's understandable you would feel the way you feel. So I just listened, and I just said, yeah, and uh, I felt led to give him a tip, you know, not as a bribe to have him follow through, but maybe. Why not? <laughs> a man's gift makes room for him. I just thought I'd so, and at least give him, a t- give him a taste that I wasn't, you know, the cheapo guy, and I appreciated him. He didn't pick up any of our bags or anything, but he did give us a ride, and I felt led to do it. It was a thing of obedience. It wasn't manipulative. It's just, and I don't do it all the time, but I felt led to do it there. So maybe he'll remember, he'll associate it, the faith with maybe not so much pain, but maybe a a generous gesture and maybe a listening ear. And I think maybe the Holy Spirit helped me not to be an obnoxious over-speaker. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19 talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about his invitation and his help. This is God's welcome to those who seek. Matthew 19, 13. Matthew 19, 13. And this is what I use when I do baby dedications. This is my go-to segment in the Bible for all the decades. I've done baby dedications. This is the signature verse in my Bible. Uh, 19, 13 through 15. Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray and his disciples rebuked them. Aren't we disciples interesting? Then Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. So the Holy Spirit was all over Jesus and it caused kids to be drawn to him. And the parents brought their children, please bless my child. They knew something was special about Jesus. The disciples are like, no, man. Jesus said, let the children alone. Don't stop them. Don't hinder them from coming to me. Boy, I just don't want anything we do to be a hindrance to people coming to Jesus. I want to figure out whatever we can do to roll out the red carpet to our community, to our region, to the world around us, all ages, everybody. I want to figure out a way to not internalize everything and hide the light in a bushel basket and under a bed because i have done that i've buried my talents and i've hidden my bushel my light under a bushel basket it i think is what the flesh tendency is that's why the bible admonishes us not to do it and that's what's cool and wonderful and amazing about the holy spirit is that he will help us he is our help He's helped us by this gracious dealing with... I mean, God's kindness leads us to repentance. No one can come to him unless God draws him. And God is... His drawing power is right there, man. He says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white to harvest. And this invitation, by the way, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And this is how I feel as a pastor. Whatever you and I or we are going through, anybody, up and out, down and out, whatever, the driver on the Hertz bus, anybody, God, it's a level playing field when it comes to this invitation. Come to me. I'll help you. These kids are running to Jesus. He says, don't hinder them and don't hinder them from coming to me. Oh, man. Let's believe, God, that we in our culture as a church are so accepting. You know, you can love people and not condone what they're doing. You, You could just be there for them. I've been with people where they they are watching to see if I'm going to be condescending and judgmental toward them. And I'm not. And I'll say, you know what? You know how I feel about this? This is exactly how, you know what I believe? This is my interpretation of what the scripture says. This is what I believe. I'm adamant about it. I love you, man. And it's like, I think we need to understand, even the disciples, get you kids out of here. You kids get out of here. And I think of Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The disciples go, hey, shut up, man. You read about the disciples, it's like, man, disciples are us. (laughs) Let's go to John chapter 7. Part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God's offering of equipping. John chapter 7, God's offering of equipping. And all, all of this ties together with the word come. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. This is what happened to me with the driver of the bus. He immediately started to stereotype me and kind of you know, let me know, hey man, don't be heavy handed with the gospel rap. And I'm sure transferring a bunch of people all day, the percentage is pretty, it's possible he's getting witness to a few times a week, hopefully. So I just had, you know, God, God gave me a touch of discretion there. And I've tried to do the obligatory sort of I better tell you this and it's it just comes off manufactured out of your flesh it's just not very good but when the anointing and the Holy Spirit gets on stuff it comes alive just even just listening it's like man you know he led himself back to the Lord so you know it wasn't persuasive words of wisdom it was God's just God was there just God was on it God was reaching out to heal the guy. And um, man, he said, I, I guess I need to get back in the faith, man. He had really changed in the last three quarters of a mile. John 7, 37 says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. He says, he who believes in me, in verse 38, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this is really what I want to bear down on. I've got one more verse in Matthew, but this I want you to really get a hold of. Verse 39 says, But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The promise of the Father is that the Holy Spirit would be poured out, and we are in this dispensation. We're in this age, the church age. Some call it the age of the Holy Spirit. In the last hundred plus years, all of the tone of Christianity has changed all over the world. Even cessationists and people who don't believe in the outpouring and baptism of the Holy Spirit acknowledge that a huge percentage of Christians all over the world have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This gracious gift, this uplifting invitation, this welcome for those who seek. Now these verses, that I, these first points, aren't directly talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They're talking about salvation, the substance of change. No one comes to me unless the Father draws him. Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Wow. This is why I'm teaching this series on the Holy Spirit. So you move into and I move into and we move into a place of yieldedness. We don't stuff the light under a bushel basket. We don't cram things down people's throat. We get in a place where we trust God for a tangible power of the anointing where rivers of living water not only come upon us, and hydrate us but the bible says out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water man rivers of living water when people get around you and get near you i heard a story about from bonky's book about how a friend of his was cleaning up his garage and he had a pile of, of rubbish in the middle of the garage and he had a piece of metal and he threw it and landed on the garbage pile he said all of a sudden there was an audible explosion and sparks, blue flames were flying out of the garbage heap. Upon a further investigation, he found an old car battery still had power in it. So he took it out put it on a charger. And uh, he talked about how once anointed, always anointed, and bonky. And he, he talked about how even a dead, seemingly dead old car battery can be revived. And then he talked about the scripture where a dead man was thrown into a gravesite where Elisha the prophet had been buried. And when he hit the gravesite, he came back to life. And that's, you know, that predates defibrillator paddles and EMT visitations and stuff. And you think, you think about the power of God in a dead man's bones. And I thought about, I was standing there with a driver and I thought, man, I don't feel, I mean, I don't really feel like I've got some big whooped up anointing right now. And this guy was already self-canceling anything I could. I mean, I realized anything I said would have not only fallen on deaf ears, would have fallen on hurt ears. So I just listened to him. And I I really got touched by it. It was like, man, this is intense. But I could tell he was working through it. And I could see God, my helper, was working on it. So I was just minding my own business being a traveler between point A and point B. The anointing was there. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then lastly, lastly, Matthew chapter 14 verse 24, God's invitation to the supernatural life. God's invitation to the supernatural life. This is what Peter said when he saw Jesus walking in the water. There was a boat It was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves. The disciples are all in there. The wind is contrary to them. Its it's, conditions are whack. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came by walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost, which is superstitious and bad doctrine. So here we go with the disciples again. And they even thought Jesus was a ghost. The disciples are going, It's a ghost. It's like, No, I'm the Son of God. I'm your Savior. But anyway, he puts up with it. They cried out in fear. But then look out of this, immediately Jesus spoke to them, said, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And then listen to this Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And look what Jesus said. Jesus said, Come. Jesus said, Come. Peter got out of the boat, invitation to a supernatural life, and he walked on the water, came toward Jesus. Now, I want to stop there for a second. How many of you like the idea of Peter walking on water? Well, I just pray we all move out in that supernatural life. You know, he's, he's given us this amazing, he's, no one comes to him unless he draws him, and God's drawn us. Something's happening, a God thing's happening in our lives. And for maintenance purposes, for wholeness and soul help, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden is not only spoken for the early before the Jesus died on the cross and to the early church but to the two thousand year old here we are church all of us including the driver of the Hertz bus who had legitimate issues that he associated with God and therefore made him disappointed but we know that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will not be disappointed and I didn't have time to give him a little theological lesson and say well you can't blame God and all that I didn't you know, that, that wasn't going to be productive. So just standing there, and the Holy Spirit moving on him, I watched him respond to his own altar call. And it was deep. It was deep. Nobody else was listening. It wasn't for anybody else. It's very subtle. But, I, you know, it might be the main thing of the whole week for me. There were other really great things that happened, but hallelujah. Hey, Lord, if that's you... Command me to come, come. God, I pray the cycles of oppression would break. I pray the downturn of oppression and adversity would break. I pray for the upturn of supernatural abundance would come. I pray, Lord Jesus, you help us to not do our little predictable isolation, pull away thing like Adam and Eve did in the garden. Help us to be more like David and less like Saul in terms of when, not if, but when we do fail, we run toward God and not away from God. And God, I thank you. The righteous fall seven times and the Lord picks them right back up. And we thank you, Lord, that your mercy and your grace is so sufficient. And I pray a supernatural blessing. I pray anointing and strength and courage and joy. I pray we have a great weekend. I pray safety and protection and blessing on everybody in this place. And everybody shouted, Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.